Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome Peter Margaritas back to the podcast. He is the accidental accountant, and you may have remembered him from a podcast we did on Project Improv. And he is also an improv extraordinaire, if I didn't mention that. So, Peter, welcome back. I'm honored to have you back on the podcast. Uh, please take a brief moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Well, thank you, Anne. And, and this was so much fun. I, we had such a great time last time. And we asked me to come back because uh, I just released a new book, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv. Uh, I went, this will be perfect. We'll have a blast having this conversation. At, oh, thank you so very much. Yes, <laughs> I will nice. Vanna wipe this book here. Yes. And, and, and you even have a bookmark in there. Like you're almost through the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have some questions, Peter. No, but yes, that's, that is what we are talking about today. We are going to talk about this book right here. I'm super excited to dig in with you. Um, when we last spoke, when we recorded our podcast was probably early summer is what I'm guessing, maybe June. That's and I remember Peter, you were you were locked away in somebody else's condo trying to, you know, wrap up the, the publisher's notes and things like that. And, and you took some time to record a podcast with me, which was amazing. So thank you for that. And, and I know that you have been kind of, uh, you know, you've been kind of really in the midst of like trying to finish this book since the last time we spoke. So I'm number one, super excited because I'm digging into it now. And it's, it's really well-written Peter. I'm just going to say that first Thank and you. foremost. <laughs> and I'm just excited that you were able to finally finish the book because I know that you were working hard on it from the last time we spoke. So um, let me rephrase that since we, we, we did speak last time on project improv, this time we're going to speak on going off script and how to master the art of business improv. So Let's start with that. You know, I think last time we talked about project improv. Is there any difference between project improv and what you talk about here in the book in business improv? Well, it's 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 basically uh, at the groundwork the same, except that going off script. We have business leaders. We have ourselves that we have to. You know, we get the scripted thing that's happening to us. However, when we read the audience and we read that the audience is not picking up what we're putting down and they're becoming disengaged, uh, we tend to stick to that script versus going completely off script and implementing something else in there that would engage that audience member. And in the book, I share the story in the introduction that Martin Luther King actually improvised the I Have a Dream speech. And when I say that to somebody, they give me this look like, what? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. And real quickly, the story is the night before the, the um, speech in Washington, the I have the dream speech piece of that was in that original draft. But some of his people said, let's take it out. We've been using that way too much over the last six to eight months. Let's put something else in here. Mm-hmm. So the day, and, and you can watch this on uh, any uh, video that you see of him doing this speech, the day he's sitting reading this speech, looking up, reading this speech, 
And at some point, about two thirds of the way through, he could tell that he wasn't reaching the audience. Yeah. And this gospel singer, Michaelia uh, uh, Jackson said, tell me about your dream, Martin. Now, I can't find anywhere where he actually acknowledges that he heard that, but about that same point in time, he pushed his prepared remarks aside. In the last third of it, he went into the, I have the dream. Uh, the, the original title of that speech was Normalcy, Never Again. But wow. we refer to it as the I have a dream speech. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's such a compelling story in that. And, and I have some, some quotes that kind of lead into my next question. Um, but I love that you really do let the audience know about Martin Luther King and that speech, because to your point, what's most memorable is the part that he eventually pivoted to, or I guess, actually, I won't use the word pivot because I remember the last time I spoke to Peter, he said, <laughs> stop using that word, but he, he shifted his mindset and went off script and went back to that. I have a dream speech and how impactful it was. And I love that you tell that story, but there's, there's something that you say in the introduction that really hit me. So there's two areas where I wanted to, to call out and then get your thoughts on it, which is you talk about improv is not about making stuff up or just winging it. And then just to go to another part of the book, to be able to successfully go off script, you must first master the script and then throw it away. I feel like with Dr. Martin Luther King, the way that story tells is he had a script, he prepped and prepped. He saw, to your point, he saw the audience. They weren't reacting the way he thought they would. This was, uh, you know, probably for him, shows how much of a master of improv he is because he took the time to prepare, realize, read the audience, and then he went off script and he felt confident and comfortable doing that. And I think that's the part that is resonating with me is that you talk a lot about preparation and how you yourself, Peter, anytime you do improv, you prep, you take days and days to prep. It's not just winging it. So I think you make a very strong statement about how preparation and improv go hand in hand, but can you talk a little bit more about this? Absolutely. That, that's, that's the myth. Um, I tell the story in the book that I had a five minute presentation that I spent five hours preparing for. Mm-hmm. And with a group of people that I, I was discussing this with, one kind of gave the other person a really weird look on Zoom. And I said, what's up? You prepare? I just thought you guys just come and wing it. Like you don't prepare anything at all. I said, it's just the opposite. Then that's not improvisation. I said, yes, it is. You don't, you have the wrong definition of, of improv. I even made a comment that, you know, even those who do it theatrically, they practice a lot. Mm-hmm. They practice, but they do throw away that script, but they're prepared to handle anything that comes their way. Preparation is the key and uh, everything. And the one area that you really don't need to prepare for, but you need to be present is if we're doing a brainstorming session, looking for a solution to a problem, then you can, when we're going through the diversion thinking process, then right. you can, you know, you're going in with nothing. You contribute your ideas to it, but you walk out with something. Sure. Yeah. But in, in, in order for Martin Luther King to do that, I also write in the, in the book that when Rosa Parks was arrested for not giving up her seat, he was a, a head of a, of a, I believe it was a, um, Robert Blake was a nonprofit, and, and actually the public wanted him to speak about her arrest. Well, he had like 20 minutes to prepare. He didn't have like five days. 
And as he was given this speech, he, he said, these aren't really the words I would use, but it's these words are having an impact on this audience. Mm. And when he finished it, he said, that was probably one of the most powerful speeches I've ever given. And he was completely unprepared, but he was drawn upon, mm-hmm. drawn upon, drawn upon, drawn upon past experience, past knowledge. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a lot of improv right there. I, it it, res- it hits me so well, only because, you know, even in your personal lives, the, the more that you can prepare for conversations, you can prepare yourself for, you know, you, nobody as a student, you don't go into a test cold. I hope you don't. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're preparing, right? But right. it's that it's the added confidence that you get when you feel like you are the subject matter expert you've you've accumulated so much knowledge on the topic and in dr king's uh, you know uh instance he just had so much knowledge of what was going on in that environment in that situation and he had given many speeches and he had given many sermons right so just the accumulation of his knowledge of what to say to people in any given situation that took a lot of preparation and peter to your point for a five minute speech, you prep for five hours and then you tell that story so beautifully as well in terms of, you know, even you went off script when you started to feel like the audience was really resonating with what you were saying. You were even able to throw in a few jokes to make Mm -hmm. them laugh and to kind of get the audience feeling different things. So I love this connection that you've made. And I think it's it's really important for the audience that's listening to understand that improv is not just making things up. Like the you're probably the smartest person in the room. You've prepped for, for hours and hours before you even walked on that stage. Did I have that right? You have it. You have it 99% right. Okay. But there's the, the most important thing about it is it's not about you. It's about the audience. Mm, yeah. And when you see that you're disconnecting from that audience, that they're not, you know, I was part of an association and I, we had our annual meeting. I was the chair of the board. And they had scripted the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was just sharing the story. And I remember that when I, and and they handed me the script, you've got like two hours. I'm like, oh, basically I'm just going to be reading this thing. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I remember I started off and I was, and then I see the words I was reading. I looked down once and it went white. I didn't see any words. And I just stepped away from the podium to the side and then just started speaking. Yeah. And I saw the terror in the CEO's eyes by me going completely off script. And I, <laughs> I turned to him and I said, this is my last day on the job. So you really <laughs> can't <okay>. fire me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're turning it over to somebody else. So, and, and it, it was more authentic. It yes. was more heartfelt. It was more engaging versus when we just stand up and use a script. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and when I think about it from a project manager's perspective, our material can be the driest of the dry material. I mean, I, 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 I would think I'm not an accountant, but I feel like on your end as well, you might say the same thing. We can, we can have meetings where we're just talking about something so dry and so it could just 
you will lose your audience in the first few seconds of the meeting. If you don't really, to Peter's point, bring that authenticity into it, you know, here's why I think we should be talking about this today. Don't just go with, here's our agenda, A, B, C, D, very, very rigid. If you think the audience wants to go in this direction and talk about this particular process, because there could be a gap there that you didn't intend to bring forth in the meeting, but now it's come up. Maybe that's an area that you want to, you know, shift everybody's conversation to because you want that type of authenticity. You want the, your audience to know, even when it's dry project management material, that there's an intent and a purpose and why you want to bring that forth. You want to bring that to the table. Um, I love that, Peter. I think that absolutely makes sense in terms of the, the most important thing is understanding who, do your, who your audience is and how to read them. Do you have any tips, by the way? And I think I'll go into that in some of my other questions here about um, the later parts of the book, but any tips on how, how you've read the audience and how you can pick up on that? Well, I, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, we, we tend to, when we do a presentation, we tend to either start off talking about our credentials and how smart and great we are, or we go, okay, this is what we're going to cover in the agenda, part one, part two, part three. Yes, like, yeah. No, <laughs> throw, that, throw, throw that, do that layer. Tell the audience a story of why you're there. That be that, this is why we're here. This is the issue at hand. This is how we need, we need to figure a way to solve this problem for our company and the people around it. And that's what we're here tasked here to do. Now let's go dig into the material bring some life to it. Um, so when I do a presentation, um, luckily I haven't seen this in a very long time in mine. I see it every now and then like a couple of people, but they grab their phones yeah, and they do the, what I like to call the conference prayer. They lower their phone and bow their head. And now they're <laughs> in the email, they're in the whatever. Um, yeah. When I see one or two people doing that, that that's okay. But if I start seeing a lot more people doing it, I have Everyone to find the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When everybody looks like they're praying <laughs> and, and, and I, need to, I need to come up with some way to get them re-engaged. Uh, and I might just ask them a question about, uh, about the topic at hand or go, you know what? Hey, well, you guys look like you're a little bit on the tired side. I know we got a break scheduled or maybe we don't, but why don't we all just stand up for a moment and just yeah. kind of shake it out. And, you know, let's kind of get reengaged and, and, and tip back down. And all the while I'm thinking, okay, I got a whole bunch of other stuff here that I got to go off script mm-hmm. and find that way uh, to, um, to engage them. And a lot of it goes to story. What stories mm-hmm. do you have? Uh, there's stories around us everywhere. And I keep in my, in my phone and, and Evernote, I have a story journal. And when I find these stories, then if I'm, I'm looking for some type of material to put in a presentation or reflect back on prior to walking into a presentation, I'll go thumbing through my stories. Oh, this will be good. I, can, I gotta remember that one here or have this as a backup or just yeah. over-preparation. Right, over-preparation. So you have many tools in your repertoire, right? If it's this right. not working, let's try this one, this one, this one. Yeah, I agree. I think that's where, again, I think when when I take a step back from reading your book, it's it's the it's the have the, it's building your confidence in that area. And that really does take the preparation piece of it that, that Peter's talking about is that I think for most of us in our roles, the more we can prepare, the more we can be ready, the more we'll have 
so that when the audience isn't paying attention and they start praying that you know <laughs> that you can go to different things to get them re-engaged. So I, I love that. And, and, it, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of that practical advice um, that you offer up kind of in the second half of the book, by the way. Go ahead. Can I interject one thing? But here's, here's another key piece. You are taking on risk. Sure. When you go, yeah. when you go off script. Okay, tell and, me about that. And, and well, what you have in your head that you think you're going to say, you think it's going to work, but it might not. <laughs> so and a lot of people are risk averse. Those who tend to have real strong left hemisphere, the logical people, the accountants, the architects, the project managers, all, they're afraid of, of failing or making a mistake. Yeah. Take the risk. The, the, the risk, the initial risk outweighs the uh, staying true to that path of, of what script you are on. You mm -hmm. have to fail in order to succeed. And fail is an acronym uh, that represents first attempt in learning. Take the risk. You might get you know, a little heckled out or whatever. That, that'll go away. But then you just learn something. And that doesn't mean you just learn something to go back to the script. It's like, okay, what did I, how could I have said this differently? Right. And it just takes that willingness to take that leap of faith and lean in to the fear. And imagine how many lessons we would not have learned if we didn't go off script. Right. And especially in our everyday lives, I feel like some of the most important lessons we've learned and accumulated are from the biggest failures that we've ever made. And remember everybody, as you're watching and listening to this, everybody has that. You're not alone in this. And I, and Peter is absolutely right. That that's where the success is going to come from is learning from those failures for sure. Professional and personal. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere, but this is not a therapy session. So <laughs> we are, <laughs> before we digress into that black hole, of <laughs> um, going back to being off script here, you make the case for improv in the kind of the first half of the book, right? In terms of how improv can help you improve your organizational cultures. Mm -hmm. and then the second part, you really dig into your day-to-day -day realities, you know, this is improv at work. Here's situational, you know, um, examples of when you might be able to do this or that. And so I love this kind of practical advice that you offer up in the second mm -hmm. half of the book, um, as, though, as well as areas to reflect on. To your point, you know, you're saying, think about those failures. You should really reflect on them and do, a, do it even in your head. Just a quick lessons learned. Okay, next time I'm in that situation, I want to try this. Maybe you can make a game out of it, make it fun. You know, I want to try this next time. If that doesn't work, I try a different time if I get a another chance at it. So right. you cover everything, Peter. I'm not, I, I'm not done with the book, but I will say you cover communicating, collaborating, change management, innovation, leadership, team building, presentation, virtual presentation. And you go into how the pandemic has kind of weighed into all of this, right? And kind of the connectivity of present day. So I thought we could spend a little bit of time on a chapter that I am very interested in, which I, to be honest, I jumped forward to and read, um, but I will go back and read the rest, I promise. <laughs> but it's chapter 17, where you make, it's called uh, making sure your virtual meetings and presentations don't suck. 
because I feel like at least for me, I also, you know, at the current present day work from home, Mm -hmm. I do think remote work has increased. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought this could be a fun area to really tap into in terms of getting your thoughts on making sure we don't suck when we're trying to run things virtually. So why don't we start there? Any tips, thoughts on that particular chapter? Uh, that's why I, that's why I actually it came from an article that I wrote. Um, you know, just because we're behind a camera and we're not face to face doesn't mean that we turn into robots. We, yeah. there, there's something about the camera that scares people mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know how I got the, 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 someone told me because I've done a lot of of on-demand type of recording and even in those situations the, the, the whoever's recording going I don't can you teach other people what you do I said what do you mean you're talking you're talking to them not at them you're 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 using your body language you're using your tone you're using your excitement you're using your disdain you're, but you're using your body language through this mechanism to help engage the audience. And you know, I, I, we've gotten better uh, about whether from a presenter's perspective or a, a participant's perspective on how to really have your camera situated and please turn your camera on. It makes it yes. more engaging for everyone. And mm-hmm. you know what, uh, when, you, when you turn your camera off, it's so easy to multitask because you're hiding behind, but then you're not, you're there for a reason. And you should turn your camera on and monotask versus multitask. Mm-hmm. If you're there for a meeting, then the, the meeting's important. If you're there for a learning event, the learning's important. Turn your camera on and get rid of everything else around you. Uh, we've gotten better about where we place our cameras. I, I, well, I, I, I take that back. I was on a call, a, a Zoom meeting the other day, and gentleman was driving his car with his phone on his knee and and I made a comment I said Ed uh you need to trim your nose hairs <laughs> he didn't but I just just to kind of get him to realize what he's doing yeah a lot of times we don't Holy, realize right? that is very scary <laughs> at the same um, time exactly um, you, you know there's a there's a lot of ways that you can you can engage your audience you can engage your audience okay I want to I'm gonna throw everybody into a breakout room this is what you're going to discuss. So this is exercise you're going to do. You're going to come out and we're going to debrief. Yeah. Uh, I get them to comment and chat. I, I tell them, unmute yourself and let me know what you think. Uh, and you also have to realize that when you ask a question, there's a little bit longer lag than if we're face-to-face. Uh, there's a, 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 a conference IO, which is an online platform that I've used in the past to help with that engagement through polling questions, through other activities. Um, I actually, at times I'll use a two, a two camera shoot and I'll have a flip chart go old school on everybody behind me or strategically placed that, okay, now let's go to the flip chart and we'll go over here to this camera. I'll have a switcher here and I'll do one thing and then I'll come back or I'll have a a second camera on me and I go, I hit switch and I go, okay, so what I'm saying here in this aspect yeah, and just giving them something different to look at. It's it's like when you when you watch a, a, a commercial or a movie. There's there's thirty seconds move, thirty seconds, thirty seconds. They're always keeping that movement happening to keep mm-hmm. the audience engaged. 
So those little tips can go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and, and it sounds like even, even in your virtual presentations, there's a lot of preparation that goes on in terms of thinking about even just having a either multi-camera setup, having a whiteboarding experience. Uh, yes. I think for our audience to understand what is the, even just down to take a second, if you're on zoom or if your company uses uh, WebEx or whatever your teams understand the functionality of the tool, because to Peter's point, there could be some tools that you can even just use through your virtual conferencing system that you can use to brainstorm and annotate and, and present in various ways. So that's really, really great advice. And some things that we just, you know, we just don't have time to stop and think about, but I think it, it definitely will help enhance the virtual experience that we're all kind of stuck in today. And then I like that you say, at least try to get your audience to turn their camera on because that alone puts a lot of pressure on you to not be off over here or looking down and praying to your phone or whatever you, you know, that, that you may be doing that is a distraction. I think it's so interesting, Peter. I think the environment we're in now where uh, so many companies have uh, remote work and how, how, I guess, how the trust in the employees has been to still ensure that your attention is on your work every day. It's, it's, it's definitely a interesting time that we're in. Whereas if you were physically in the office, at least you knew the body was physically there. To be honest, I don't know. Presence of mind is probably a different conversation. Maybe their mind is elsewhere, but they're physically in the room um, for the meeting. So there's definitely a big difference in working from home, doing everything remotely. And you go through a lot of those practical tips, which I think is, is really, really good. Also, you talk about having time to prep your presentation and maybe trying to use different mediums and then also simplifying your presentation. I love that point that you make as well. You know, you don't have to have so much busy on the screen or on the, on the PowerPoint slide, make it simple so that you are the presentation, your voiceover, your talk over uh, notes is the presentation, for example. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, two things about presentations. One, it's not about you. It's about the audience. Mm-hmm. So think about the audience. Think you've been in that seat before. You've been on the other side of that presentation that just bored you to death, mm-hmm. or just when I just wasted forty-five minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Do the opposite when you do it. Find a way to engage that audience is number one, and and number two is oh, it just slipped my mind. Um, It'll come back to me, okay. I hope. There, there, was another, there, there was another thought there about, about presentation. It's right. and Oh, no. Going to a presentation going, something wrong, something's going to happen. I'm not expecting. Mm. Something's absolutely yeah. going to happen. This happened to me two days ago. I was doing a presentation, and I had three presentations. And I said, okay, guys, I got video in all three of them. Let's make sure the, the sound works, but I had to switch rooms. And the guy told me, I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. We got to that slide and the sound didn't work. So I went, okay, I've seen this enough. Let me just paraphrase what this guy is saying. And let's wait till the video, we get right about here in this animated cartoon. And I kind of explained it. And then we had another glitch and then do the zoom. And when I was done, the AV guy said, look, I'm real sorry, but you handled it better than anybody I've ever seen. What, I said, well, I'm, 
this is not my first rodeo. And two, I go into every presentation that something could happen. And I'm just prepared to adapt, improvise, and just keep it moving forward instead of going, hey, come on, I can't believe this video died on me. Come on. Yeah. I thought we had to see. But I've seen presenters do that. Yeah. And when you start blaming people in front of an audience, that just kills your credibility. For completely. sure. For sure. Yeah. The audience experience. Imagine watching a movie and then it some something happens to the real and then the, the movie just turns off or they, the movie theater is not just going to say, okay, well, sorry, you know, see you later. Doesn't yeah. work. You know, they're going to do everything in their power to here's free concessions. Here's a free movie ticket while we get this fixed. You know, let's, let's do trivia while we're waiting for the, <laughs> the movie to say, yeah, to your point, just be, be ready for that. And that can even happen in the virtual setting in terms of, oh, all the time, you know, audio, video equipment, the, the video conferencing, not working the way you thought it would. That's okay. Uh, I think people are, uh, your audience is going to be very understanding of that because I am sure we have all been through that exact scenario as well. So yes, Peter, I think all of that very, very valid and constant reminders that we, we can, we can do this even in the, in, in the remote work setting. Always have a backup plan. Always have, so if I'm doing a virtual a virtual presentation in the back of my, this happened to me once that I had no electricity in the house. A uh, storm came through night before, still didn't have it. So two hours prior, I just picked up my stuff and I, I found a co-hatch place, one of those uh, open shared spaces. And they had, I, I rented out a, a, a conference room and got everything set up and did it there. Um, always have a backup plan, especially when you're doing, doing a virtual presentation or you're leading a virtual meeting. If your power goes out, I, I guess the only thing that if you only have one computer and it dies on you and, you know, then you just have to reschedule. But there are other ways of, of creating that backup plan so you can keep it moving forward. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And this is for every type of meeting, right? Mm -hmm. This could be a weekly meeting that you've had for five years since you've been in your role, you know, just it, it, every meeting should meeting and a subject and, and topic and, and type should be treated in this way as much as we can prepare and just be ready for it. I think that's, that's going to be really, really key to making sure that you don't freak out when, when something goes wrong, that's yeah. definitely, and, and maybe that is a part of improv too, is, is how you react and, and, and yeah. adjust, right? Yes, how you react. How, your heart may be going at 200 miles an hour, mm -hmm. but, you don't, but you don't let them see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Collected and, uh, we'll get this figured out. Something, something's going to happen. I can figure this out. I, 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 yeah, uh, but we're, we're that resourceful. But we just need to breathe when mm -hmm. we get into panic and then think it through. Peter, I'm curious, in terms of your preparation, do you also practice with anyone or is this just kind of you in the mirror talking through what you're going to present when i present um i like to be in the space i'm going to present so i will have prepared everything and i will i will give those words that i'm thinking about using oxygen prior to getting to the event just because like oh god no i cannot use that word what was i thinking i need a better word than that because mm -hmm. it's what sounds great in our head. Yeah. When we give it oxygen can, could be a career limiting move. It just depends on what words you're thinking of. And 
So I try to go through the presentation and give it in my office. And when I do a presentation, uh, I try to stand up. Mm. I try to stand up. Now, in full transparency, I'm in the middle of a transition from my home office to a new office. And I'm in the process of bringing this, a standing desk in. But normally, I would be standing up at any presentation, any interview as well. Um, it, but when I get to the facility, the, usually I get there the day before, I see if I can go in and see the room. Yeah, I want to see the stage. I want to see how it's set up. I want to get the feel of the room. I, I want to, if there's a podium there, get it, get out of there. And, and just use some of the words uh, that I have planned in that space. And I always test my video the night before if I have video in there and we'll get a plan and I'll just walk around in the back of the room to make sure they can hear it. Sure. And, and that's, that's the kind of practice that um, I do. It's, it's not memorizing the script. Someone once asked me, do I need note cards? Are you using some type of like PowerPoint or whatever, or keynotes, what I use? Mm-hmm. They go, yeah. I said, that's your note card. That should only give you enough information to jar your memory on what you want to talk about. Sure. Don't fill up that slide with words and read from the slide because that's, you've lost them immediately yeah. and you'll get the worst evaluations possible. Mm-hmm. Just enough to know what you want to talk about. And that gives you the freedom that you've overprepared that, you know, that's, this story might not be right for this audience. I want to use this other story. And, and that happened to me on Tuesday too. I was, my first uh, start of the presentation, I had it scripted. I knew what I wanted to say, but something happened two days prior that this audience needed to hear. Mm-hmm. So I scrapped that. And I didn't think about it at the time until I got to the event. Like, oh, no, no, I can't use that. I got to use this. And it worked. Yeah, I could see that I had them engaged. They're going, when I can see this, you know, that, that kind of office space look and, and a, a head nodding or there's a little bit of fear in their face. I know that I know they're, they're, they're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Fear in their face. Sorry, that made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, what was he talking about on Tuesday? That? Well, anyway, I, I could tell you it's a, it's, a, it's a CPA story. So it might not, well, it, it probably wouldn't resonate with your audience, except if they're dealing with the CPA, then it, it, it would. So, but I could share it or we could just keep moving forward. You're perhaps, the host. The, perhaps the phrase CPA is enough for the PMs on this, on this <laughs> channel. This thing. Yeah, that's scary. That's already scary. <laughs> well, Peter, I think, um, you know, I, I love this conversation about your new book. Is there anything in terms of the off script and how to master the art of business improv or mastering the art of business improv that you wanted to impart with the audience today? My, my best, my, my, I tell people that this book is written for anybody who wants to be a leader or who anybody is a leader. But you, when you pick up the book, you have to go in with an open mind because it's the opposite of ego leadership. It's the opposite of baby boomer leadership of being told it's very collaborative. It's, it's servant leadership. And mm-hmm. if you are, have that mindset of that ego leadership, then I expect when you read this, you'll write a very nasty review. I'm expecting that. I, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can just come into it with an open mind and, and just be, and listen with the intent that this might change my thought process. 
if you come in this and, and you and, and you're already a servant leader and, and, and very collaborative, this will give you a lot of tips and techniques on how to elevate that. Yeah, um, it's it's a book about me over the last twenty some odd years, as someone said, in the various experiences that I've gone through between improv, learning about improv, and applying it in leadership in business. And um, you can, if you go to offscriptimprov.com, that URL will directly take you to the Amazon website where you can purchase the book. The Great. ebook will be out uh, soon in, in early November of 2021. And I believe in the winter, I'm actually going to sit down and go into a studio and read the book for Audible. Yay. <laughs> I know the audience loves audio anything. So this is, that's going to be fantastic. And I just love listening to your voice and, and your stories as well. So I think that's great, Peter. I'm so, super excited. I, I'm going to read it and then probably listen to you when that <laughs> one comes out as well. But this has been a great conversation. I am excited to get through the rest of the book. I probably will offline chat you a few questions I might have, but you know, my first impressions of the book are, you know, it's, it resonates really well with me. There's a lot of uh, even self-reflection that you can do for yourself. There's even if you're a project manager, leader, business, someone in business or not, there's some, you know, so even self-improvement um, uh, and reflection that you can do. Uh, in your personal lives as well, as Peter talks through some of these um, practical tips and guidance and things that he offers up in the book. So definitely check it out off script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv. Peter, thank you so much for joining me in this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. I was so excited to welcome you back. I loved having you the first time. So happy that you've grown an addiction to coming onto the podcast <laughs> um, to talk about your book. So if folks want to continue the conversation with you, where can they find you online? You can find me at petermargaritas.com and that last name is spelled M-A-R-G-A-R-I-T-I-S. It's pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Should be pronounced like margaritas, which is a lot like hepatitis, gingivitis, and laryngitis. So we like to use the cocktail version. I love it. And, and, thank, you, and thank you for having me back. I, I, I really appreciate this opportunity and I enjoy our conversations. I look forward to more. Thank you, Peter. And, and folks, you can also find me on LinkedIn as well by my name and Campia. Uh, support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting platform you are listening in on. You can also check out the visual version. You can see us right now on my <laughs> YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash and Campia. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining in this week's installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Make sure to pick up Peter's book. It's available today. That will do it for the both of us. And until next time, take care.